Good morning, church family. It's good to see everybody. Uh, And it is uh, always so good to sing uh, the truth of the gospel, uh, to respond to God's goodness and um, and to do it together. Well, as we walk through this series on prayer, this may sound simple. I hope you've been encouraged to pray. I hope you have. Uh, I, I hope taking time to study the Lord's Prayer is, is both serves as, as a means to elevate the mystery of prayer while also, while also demystifying prayer, uh, demystifying the technique and the practice of it. And, and by this, I mean that, that we get to interact with the God of the universe. Like we get to talk with the one who made and is sustaining the burning of stars. That's, it's unbelievable that that's what it means to be a Christian. Uh, that, that following Jesus isn't just thinking thoughts about God. It's, just not, it's not just like doing theology exercises. No, it, it's a beautiful mystery that holiness wants to hear from us. That's amazing. But I think, I think we can also become so overwhelmed by like the practice of prayer uh, that it's also like a little terrifying to do. Uh, and we're going to talk more about this as we get to the end of the series. But, but I hope by looking at prayer, this, this, this prayer that Jesus gave us uh, and that he gave to his disciples, I, I hope it kind of like demystifies us a little bit, makes it accessible. Uh, you can do it. Prayer is not just for the lofty and the elite. You can do it. Anyone who, who is in Christ can, can do it. Uh, I also hope maybe over the course of this series, you've gotten to already start to put into practice some of these applications that we've been talking about. Pastor Lawson has mentioned the last couple of weeks, a couple of them, and I, I just want to toss a couple of them out to you again. Uh, the first one is this, that we're, we're just simply praying what the beginning of the prayer says. Lord, teach us. Teach us to pray. Like we, we need help. I, I, I don't, maybe you've got it, but I think he needs to teach all of us. He needs to teach us to pray. So we're asking him to do that. Second, I would encourage you just to pray this prayer, to, to use the Lord's prayer as a template, uh, to, 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 to read it, to meditate on it, and then just respond uh, with the, to the prayer and it, saying things like, Lord, make your name holy. Would you do that in my family? Would you make your name holy in my own heart? Lord, would you bring your kingdom? Would your kingdom come in, in my neighborhood? Lord, would you help my, my, my kids who don't know you? Would you be their king? And, and if, if, if you're like me, you, I, I, I hope I'm not the only one. I, I can so easily get distracted when I'm praying. Uh, and so I would just give you a, just a couple of tiny practices as we start today. Man, write your prayers down. As you're, as you're doing this, write down what you're praying. Like if you're responding to the Lord's prayer, then like write a sentence, just writing down what your response to a particular line of the prayer. It doesn't have to be like a, a, a essay. Uh, just write down how you're responding. It helps, it, it, I think it helps me like keep track or, and like focus on what I'm doing. Uh, or maybe you just need to say your prayers out loud. Uh, no one will think you're crazy. So they might, but it's, it's okay. Like, but go into a closet. Like, you know, you can turn the music up somewhere and so everyone in the house can't hear you if there's people around. Uh, or walk outside and say your prayers out loud. I, I know I, I probably have like a psychological problem, but I think I have like a conversation constantly going between myself in my head. And so when I start to pray and if I'm praying silently, sometimes it's just like, I start to have a conversation with myself and I'm not talking to God anymore. So I pray out loud. And I think that helps me sometimes to go, oh wait, I'm talking to God. I'm not talking to myself here. Um, so, so, so write your prayers down, pray out loud. Uh, the, the third application has been this, that you would prayer walk through your neighborhood. 
So whether that's with a, a Christian friend, their neighbor that you live near, or whether that's through, through someone in Redeemer, somebody who, who lives maybe in your neighborhood, maybe they don't have to, just go on a walk. If you can't find somebody, go by yourself and pray over the houses that you walk by. Pray for the families that you know in your neighborhood. Pray that God's kingdom would come to them. Uh, pray that they would know him as father. And, and man, if you, can, you can see we have this map here of places you guys have already sent us and told us, hey, here's some of the neighborhoods I'm praying in. You, we got people, we had, the map had to get a little bigger. We got people on the other side of 290 praying in their neighborhood. Like we're, so, so let us know. You can, you can email us at, at prayer at makingmuchofjesus.org and let us know who, where you're praying, what neighborhood you're praying in. We, we wanna, we desire that the kingdom of God would, be, would come to all of our neighborhoods that he would be known um, in, in, each, in each home in each, around each dinner table. So let's pray uh, for that to happen. Um, and then let, it, let us know that you're doing that. Guys, let's, let's, let's be a praying people. There would be nothing worse for us as a church than to study prayer, to talk about prayer, and then to not pray. That seems like a pretty bad outcome. So let's, let's, let's not be hearers of the word about, pray, about prayer. Let's be doers. Let's pray. And when I was younger, uh, I would start pretty early with the Christmas list. Um, now that's getting like super easy for kids. Like they just get on Amazon and they find stuff. They have like unlimited options. We didn't have that. Like there was no Amazon. There's no internet. It was, it was like the Sears catalog. That was it. Um, and you just flip through and like there were toys in there I'd never seen. And so I'm circling that one and this one. And that's pretty much how you shopped. Or you just walk through the mall with your mom and that was it. Um, and yeah, oh, that looks cool. I want one of those. Uh, and and that, that was, but, but as I've gotten older, like that's changed a little bit. And I find myself, like my, my family will be like, hey, just put some stuff on your Amazon wish list that you want so like we can buy you something that you like or something that you think you need. And I'm just like getting on Amazon and like looking up socks. Cause I'm like, I need socks. Like that's like the first thing that comes around my mind. I need some socks. I need some, I need some t-shirts. Like, and 10, 10 year old me would be like super disappointed in what's happened. <laughs> Uh, with all the options, uh, but, but those are important. Like when I can't find socks, I really go, man, I should ask for socks for my birthday. Um, but uh, right here in the middle of probably the most famous prayer in the scriptures is this third little phrase uh, that Jesus gives us and models for us and how to talk to the father. And it's just this pedestrian little ask. Give us each day our daily bread. Give us each day our daily bread. This is the first thing that we see us asking for in the prayer. So as we consider this phrase, uh, I, we're gonna ask two questions. Number one, what are we asking for? And number two, why don't we ask? Let's begin with prayer before we move into the text. I just wanna invite you right where you are just to ask the Lord to help you. Ask him to help us hear his word and to apply it to our lives. Help our, our minds to be still now that we, might, that we might receive his word. So pray now for yourself right where you are. Oh Lord, would you help us? 
where our hearts are distracted. God, would you, would you give us eyes of wisdom, spiritual eyes to see the truth of who you are and that might set everything else in our life into focus. Lord, would you, would you remove any distractions, including my words? God, would you, whatever, would you speak your words to us this morning? And Lord, we, we pray for our brother Dave Furman in Dubai. God, we ask God this morning that you, would, that you would bless him as his day is probably winding to a close. Father, would you, would you help him to feel your nearness? Would you be with his family uh, and, and give them your support? where they are exhausted, would you strengthen them? Father, we praise you for the fruit of the work that you're doing there, uh, for those who are coming to know Jesus. Uh, but God, we ask that you would strengthen and you would heal, Dave. God, you know what's going on with his body, God. Would you, would you, would you do what only you can do? So we love you and would you lead us now? In Christ's name, amen. Well, let's begin with question number one. Uh, what are we asking for? So to answer this, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna simply kind of try to walk through the text. But before we do that, I, I, think, I think this phrase can be really easy to gloss over. But before we get into the phrase, I, I want us to look kind of where we are in the prayer. So week one, uh, Jesus has said that we're, we're to start praying by saying Father, right? We're to come to him as Father, uh, which sounds kind of common to us, but it's actually pretty revolutionary that Jesus would tell us to, to call God our Father, uh, that, that means he's no unconcerned deity. He is as concerned and as open to you even more so than the best of fathers. This, this means we have unhindered access. We, we have tender love and care uh, in God for us. And then in week two, we, we looked at a couple of incredible phrases, huge lofty things about God. We want his name to be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. These are like huge ideas. So yes, he is our father, but he is holy. We come to him as king, which is quite the shift, isn't it? He is our, our father, but he is our Lord, our king. He's powerful. He's immense. And I think if we have one, but not the other, the prayer can be kind of overwhelming. If, if he cares for us as a father, but, but he's not holy, he's not king over everything, that, that's comforting, but at the end, it feels like he's kind of limited. But if he's the holy king of everything, but, but not our father, that's terrifying. And prayer becomes scary. It's scary to come to one so powerful who is not tender to us. But if he's both, if he's our father and he's the king, then we can boldly ask him. We can do this third little phrase here. We can, we can have confidence to ask him for things. He's, he's upholding everything. His glory will one day cover the earth like water covers the sea, but he's our father. And he says to little children like us, come, be satisfied. So we pray, give us each day our daily bread. So far, the prayer has been focused on God, your name, your kingdom. But this phrase flips it and it says, now give us, we're asking Give us. So let's start with that phrase. What is the, the Father's posture toward us? He gives. He gives. We pray, give us, because that's who he is. He's a giver. 
That's who he is. James 1 says that every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. In, in a couple of weeks, we're, we're gonna see that the, the way that the Father gives, it makes earthly fathers, even the best of them, look evil in comparison. That's how good he is at giving. He gives life, he gives breath, he gives everything. That's who he is. So if that's who he is, if he's a giver, then why are we hesitant to ask? And first, I, I, I think just to know, like, I think it's normal. I think it's normal that we're hesitant. And, and here's, here's, here's why. If, if we believe that God is holding up the cosmos, keeping planets in place, I think it's actually kind of human for us to shy away from wanting to ask God things. We have to be kind of bothersome, we would think. Man, why would he care about this? And I think David had the same expression. He said it in Psalm 8. Who is man? Who's man that you're mindful of him? Why do you care about me, God? Why would you even think about me? Compared to Saturn? Who cares about my little algebra test? Compared to stars? Like who cares about my relationships or, or my sickness or my financial needs? They all seem so small. And so we say silly little things like, oh, this is too small of a need. I, I, why bother God with that? Or maybe we say just the opposite, right? We, we say that this need is just, it's too big. It's too big. I need to get out there and get on it. I, I can't spend time praying about it. I just need to get out there and do it. Why am, I, why am I wasting time even now? I need to go. But Jesus tells us to say, give us. Father, give us. He wants us to ask. I once heard John Piper say, if you want to glorify an inexhaustible fountain, keep drinking. Keep drinking again and again. Be satisfied. You want to glorify a boundless giving God? Be an asker. Learn to ask. You want to glorify yourself? Don't ask. Don't ask God. Go meet your own needs. When I overhear one of my kids talk about something that I fixed for them or something that I bought for them or, or helped them with, what do you think I do? What's my response? Eye roll. Ugh, they should have done that for themselves. So silly that I had to step in and do that for them. They should have saved their own money and bought that thing. They could have YouTubed how to fix their bike. Why'd they ask me? No, of course not. When one of my kids said, man, my dad did that. Thanks dad for fixing that for me. How do, how do I feel? I'm, I'm filled with joy, right? I, I smile. You want to honor your earthly father? Brag about how he took care of you. Even in the small things. We want to glorify the greatest giver of all. Ask him for stuff. Ask him. We don't honor God by leaving him alone. We dishonor him by not asking. So ask him even for the small stuff and then praise him when he provides. The idea that my kids would live frustrated lives, weighed down by their basic needs not being met, and they would never even tell me about it, that, that's heartbreaking. And listen, it, it's not just okay to ask for things that we want or need. It's commanded of us. We're supposed to ask. Paul says in Philippians 4, in everything, everything, that's pretty all-inclusive, in everything, present your requests to God. And this isn't just a metaphor for asking about spiritual things. 
Jesus is actually telling his disciples, bring me the real needs, bring me the real stuff, the stuff of your physical body, the stuff of your emotional self, bring it to me. In fact, he's, he's, Jesus says in many places, you don't have to be anxious about today's needs, about what you drink, about what you eat, about how you're gonna be clothed. He said, no, bring them all to me. That's the antidote. That's the solution to our anxieties is to talk to our father. Look, pray, prayer is way more than asking for things. I think we, we wanna acknowledge that. But I hope we're seeing in this, and we particularly see in this verse, that prayer is definitely not less than asking for things. So we pray, give us. Give. Give us what? Our daily bread. Give us daily bread. So this kind of takes it down to the real ground, to the real root level, right? Like often our prayer requests are the big ones. Like if, we, if, you, if you're in a small group and you have prayer requests, they're the big ones, right? It's, man, so-and-so has cancer. Be with the missionaries. That's what we, we're just praying for one of our partners. Lord, be with Ukraine. Be with those who suffer. Lord, would you help me as a parent? I'm lost. We pray for our friends and even the nations to come to know Jesus. Lord, would you bring me a spouse? Lord, would you help me know what career to pursue? All of those things, right? And absolutely, those are the big ones. Those are, those are a lot of big things that we ask of God. But Jesus is saying, I want you to go smaller. I want you to go down to the basics, to the necessities. That's what daily bread is. A common translation would be necessary bread. And yeah, we're, we're to work. We're, we're, the scriptures call us to work. Adam was called to work the land. But God says, as you work to earn a living, as you work to, 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 get, to get a wage, there's nothing so small that you still shouldn't be asking from me, that you still shouldn't seek from my hand. You have to eat every day. You need food every day. You need water every day. There are a thousand provisions and protections every single day in, in so many small yet necessary ways that we need from the Father every day. But I, I think full pantries, grocery stores, Taco Bell, <laughs> these things kind of dull us to this reality, don't they? For most of human history, this is not, it has not been the case that you could just go to Taco Bell in most of human history. No, that daily bread, daily food was not a given. Entire nations and peoples lacked the regular assurance of food. But guess what? Even though they lacked, guess what? They still had to eat. They still needed. And so Jesus said to pray, Father, give us bread. And this is not unspiritual. We like to separate our humanity out in that way. There's the physical side of me and then there's the spiritual side of me. And God really only cares about the spiritual side. The physical stuff is just earthly stuff. But that's not true. He didn't make us that way. He didn't make us spiritual beings and, and then go, oh, I'm just gonna give them like this little earth suit that they can carry their soul around in. That's not how we're made. We're made in the image of God and we are whole beings, Physical, spiritual beings, all of it is spiritual before the Lord. We have bodies. That's how he made us. Our bodies need food. They need warmth. They need water. It's not an unspiritual thing to eat. The Lord made us physical people and we need physical bread. And then guess what? He also made physical bread. Like he made the bread too. He created us with needs. And then he says, come to me. I've got the things that meet those needs. This is how personal 
the father is. He meets the most basic of our needs. And he says, come to me for bread. This means that you can pray, Lord, would you give me enough to pay our bills this month? That's not unspiritual. Lord, help me with this sales call because I really need the commission this month. Lord, would you help these shoes to last on my kids with the, with the holes not show up, with their feet not grow out of them? Lord, would you help all of the lights be green on this drive? I've got a meeting and I'm late and I need to get there. Lord, my favorite, my kid's favorite stuffed animal is missing and they can't sleep without it. Would you, would you help us to find it? We're looking for it. Lord, we can't find the stuffed animal. Would you help them sleep? Would you help this other stuffed animal to be okay? <laughs> Lord, my son has a huge headache and he's got a big test tomorrow. Would you, would you take away his headache so that he can sleep, so that he can study? Whatever you need each day, the Lord's ear is open. Pastor John Stark says this, this is a, a, a paraf- my, my, my paraphrase. Uh, he says, we assume crazy things like that we actually could have anything we need apart from asking the father. That's an audacious way to live. It's crazy that we would think that, that there's anything as those created by the father, that there's anything that we could live and, and, and succeed in life apart from even for the, the smallest things without it coming from his hand. Jesus calls us to ask for daily bread. And he tells us, he tells us our father, that the, I think this statement means that our father is not just there for the epic requests. He's not just there for the big moments. He wants to be there for all of them. I'm convinced that, that as, even as I examine my own prayer life, that, that maybe one of the reasons that we neglect prayer in the big moments is that we've, neglected prayer in a million other small ways and we've not gotten to see God answer those little prayers over and over. So Jesus says, we're to pray, give us daily bread. Give us the necessities. But when? When are we to ask? Today. Give us each day. Give us today our daily bread. Jesus has not made you like a smoke alarm battery. He's not made you uh, like you're one who just needs a nine volt battery of God's provision once a year. Change it on the new year and you're good. That's not how he's made you. You know what he's made you like? He's made you like an iPhone 6S (laughs) that's trying to run the newest operating system, but it can't go about an hour without plugging back in. That's how he's made you. You need provision constantly. You can't get away from it. That's not a weakness on your part. That's just how he's made you. You are not the massive bag of Cheetos from Costco that's supposed to last for like two months. I don't know, I think. Like two two weeks, maybe. Like two days, really, what it is, isn't it? Um, We probably shouldn't buy it, but... uh, but you know, we're like, we're not that bad. You know what we are? We're like the tiniest of the Tupperware containers that what can you get, like six Cheetos in there? Like that's, that's how small our, our capacity is. The Lord has not made you to have un, unlimited provision uh, within you. No, you need constantly. You will need sleep tomorrow. 
and then you'll need it again the next day. You will need to eat today and then probably again later today. You'll have problems today and then you'll have them again tomorrow. But, but don't let that depress you. There, I mean, the reality is, don't let it depress you, but there will be zero days in your life where you won't need things like this. I hope you've gotten used to that fact. Some of us have enjoyed it maybe too much that we, there's a lot of eating. Um, but don't let that discourage you, but let it remind you that you're dependent on him for the provision of that day. Notice that the Lord doesn't say, on the, just come to me on the first day of the month. Come to me uh, at, the, at the beginning of the month and I'm gonna load you up with all that you need. No, he says, I'm the supply closet. I'll see you tomorrow. Come back to me each day and ask. He wants daily reliance. It's hard to read this, this idea of daily bread and, and not think about the nation of Israel. If you remember the story, they, they were coming out of Egypt having been freed from Pharaoh, right? Rescued from Pharaoh. And they're literally singing worship songs on the, the shore of the Red Sea. The sea is right next to them with Pharaoh's army having been swallowed up in the sea. Let's set that scene, right? They're singing worship songs. And you know what the next words out of their mouth after the worship songs are three verses later? Here's what they say in Exodus 15. Moses, what are we gonna drink? If the worship service is over, we're traveling a little bit. What are we gonna drink? And you know what, they, what their next words are? Just a few verses after that? You can probably guess. What are we gonna eat? We should have just died back there. Like if God would have been better to just have let us die in Egypt because at least there we would have had a last meal and it would have been bread and meat. And if you know the story, you remember God's mercy. What did God say to them? Here's some water. The water you thought that was bitter, Moses is gonna put something in there and it's gonna make it drinkable. And you know what else? Tonight before you go to bed, there's gonna be quail that just come and land here. And you're gonna eat the quail. And in the morning when you wake up, you're gonna walk out the door and there's gonna be bread on the ground. Isn't that one of the weirdest most amazing ideas in the scriptures. You want water? Done. You want bread? It'll be there in the morning. But this began a 40-year journey for them where bread was on the ground every morning when they woke up. But as a means of seeing God provide for them each day, all they got was a day. Enough for one day. No surplus. Don't take more because what's gonna happen to it? It's gonna go bad. And so the Lord became like a nursing mother to Israel. Each day they depended upon him for sustenance. This sounds a lot like the wisdom that we read in Proverbs chapter 30, which says, in the, starting in verse eight of the second half of verse eight, it says, give me neither poverty nor wealth. Feed me with the food I need. Otherwise I might have too much and deny you saying, who is the Lord? Or I might have nothing in steel, profaning the name of my God. The Lord says, come today. Come daily. And we ask, Lord, give me what I need. And then we do it again tomorrow. We do it again the next day. 
Why do the scriptures warn us against wealth and warn us against debt? Because we're so prone to strive for what we don't have. And then we're so prone to forget God when we have it. And the Lord Jesus says, come to me today. I will give you what you need. The supply closet is full and it's for you. So come to me again tomorrow and get what you need tomorrow. Give us each day our daily bread. Okay, that leads us to number two then. So why don't we ask? Why don't we ask? Why is this so hard? I think we, we, I've covered a couple of reasons already. Uh, that, I mean, I think first, we, we think too highly of ourselves. Uh, we think our problems are, are small enough that we can take care of them. I got it, God. Or we think, it's, you know, we think too lowly of God. Like, I just need to get out there and get to work. Like, I can't pray. Like, this is, I, I need to do the work. But let me give you three other reasons that I think we can draw from this text as to why we don't approach God in this way. Number one, uh, we approach prayer selfishly. When it comes to, to regularly asking God to meet our needs, do you ever just have the thought that, man, I feel like what I'm praying for is selfish. Like this feels kind of selfish. I think a lot of us have just this undercurrent of guilt when we, when we go and ask God for things. Like, God, I, sh- I shouldn't want a new car. I shouldn't pray for that. And, and a lot of times that guilt, it doesn't keep us from going and getting a new car. It just keeps us from praying about the new car and seeking him about it. And then I think with all of those little decisions, with that kind of undercurrent of guilt going, we just get into a rhythm where there are certain things we just feel ashamed to ask God about them. And so we just don't. Maybe it's an actual need. It's something you, you feel like you need. God, I really need this job. But, but there's others out there that need it too. I, I, I just, I'm so self, like we get in this rut in this weird place of we feel bad for asking. And so we, we get out of the rhythm of asking him for the most basic of things. But it shouldn't be this way. It doesn't have to be this way. We don't have to be ashamed because the Lord says, ask. He's telling us, come, ask. But I think we're also missing the point. We, when we ask God, we're, we're not just needing the thing that we're asking for, we're needing his wisdom. Paul Miller, in his book that Lawson mentioned, it's called A Praying Life. It's such a great uh, book about prayer. He says that maybe we even avoid praying prayers like this because they invite God to rule us. When we pray, your kingdom come, it's inviting him to like hear our asking and, and say, no, 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 something else. So even in asking for our needs to be met, though, that's what we have to ask. That's how we have to ask. Your kingdom come. That's, that's what Lawson pointed us to last week. That even as Jesus asked the Father for, for mercy, for another way, what did he pray? He said, not my will, but yours. What, what might happen as, as we meditate on God's word, as we sit with him in prayer, as we bring all of our concerns to him, what are the things that could happen? Maybe, maybe he would bring to mind other questions like, God, can I afford this? Lord, if, if I buy this car, is that going to prevent me from paying for other important things that I need to pay for for my family? Is that gonna leave me with the financial flexibility to, to give to the church or to support the missionary, that just, the God that you just brought to my mind that I, that I feel like is in need? Or maybe as you pray, 
The Lord brings you to, to your mind that, that family in your small group who you know is in need of a car. And you, you begin to feel the Lord prompting you as you ask these questions, as you bring your requests, you feel him prompting you to, to maybe I need to not buy the model that I was gonna buy. I need to buy something cheaper so that I can not depend on my trade-in value and I can just give them my car. Maybe we avoid asking because we, we feel like maybe the answer would be no. And, and I think the same is true in, in Christian community. Like we avoid taking things before like Christian brothers and sisters and asking for counsel. Why? Because we're afraid maybe they would shut us down or they would tell us, no, you shouldn't do that. Um, and, but that's not wisdom, is it? Listen, if you're worried that your desires might be selfish, don't avoid prayer. Pray more. Pray more. Lord, here's what I think I need today. But Lord, shape my desires. I want your kingdom to come. I, I, and maybe, maybe you, the king, you see a different way. You see a better way. Number two, another reason we don't ask is we approach prayer too personally. Wait, isn't prayer supposed to be personal? Like, what are you talking about? It, 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 why is that a problem? Well, I'm glad you asked. If you notice the language in this phrase of the prayer, a pretty profound shift has happened. At the top of the prayer, like we said, the focus has all been on God. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. But a change happens here, right? Then there's a shift in pronouns. Now it's plural. The shift is from God, not God to me, but God to us. Give us, lead us, give our daily bread. We're gonna see next week, forgive us as we forgive. It seems as though that this prayer isn't complete if we simply go to the Lord and say, Lord, provide for me. Provide for my needs, provide for my family, provide for us. No, I, I think it's, it, it's more than that. Who are the neighbors that you know that are barely making it? Who is your brother that has just lost a job or your friend who's just lost a spouse? Who's your sister who's, who's just trying to make it as a single mom? And J.C. Ryle has, has this great quote about selfishness even in our prayers. And he, he says it this way. He said, there is a tendency in us to think only of our own souls, our own spiritual conflicts, our own progress in religion and to forget others. Against this tendency, we all have need to watch and strive and not least in our prayers. We should study to be of a public spirit. We should stir ourselves up to name other names besides our own before the throne of grace. Could, could it be that, that as your sister is praying for her daily bread, as she's humbling herself before the Lord to ask that God's provision to you is the very way that he'll meet your sister's request? And, and maybe the idea of daily worry about food and basic needs, uh, maybe you're at a stage in your life where that's kind of a foreign thing. Like maybe times of dire need have become uncommon. Maybe lean months for you are just like, you know what, I'm gonna eat at Lupe a couple, few less times. We'll go to Taco Bell. I'll keep bringing Taco Bell up. Um, but consider how the Lord has 
called us to pray. Lord, give us today our bread. To pray, give us our bread when you already have bread surely must mean looking around and, and praying, Lord, would you provide for the Smiths? I know they're in need because of Tom's job. Lord, how would you use me? Open my eyes to the needs around me. Lord, give me, give me vision to, that, that I could set aside space at my table to invite a family in that needs, that needs relationship or needs food. Open my eyes to the needs of my kids' friends. That maybe they need a meal or maybe they need something more. To pray for our bread means we're praying for their bread. Asking God for our necessities to be met is also an asking for theirs to be met. And when prayer is only personal, we miss out. And it's not just praying for others, it's praying with others. This is one other aspect, I think. Augustine talked about how when, when, to really experience communion with Christ, that we need to be with his, with his body, with his people. And I think that the same is true in prayer. This means that prayer isn't this private, personal thing the way that we've always framed it. It isn't less than that. We are to pray in private. Jesus says to go into your closet and pray to your father. But it's also more than that. When you read the book of Acts, they're all, always getting together to pray. We need prayer. We need that, that sort of prayer of solitude with God. But we also need prayer meetings, prayer services, prayer in small groups, prayer in large gatherings of God's people, prayer in our homes. He's not just, just my father, my Jesus. He's our father. And so prayer can unify us in that. And let me just take it kind of one step further. He's right there in your home. Right there in your home, in your conversation with your spouse, in your conversation with your kids. He is right there as the holy guest at your dinner table. He is with us in our worship services. He's here right now. And I, we don't have a hard time grasping that. Like if I stopped and prayed right now, you'd be like, yeah, that's normal. This is a worship service. That's what we do there. Why? why? Why does no one flinch when we do it there? But, but it's hard to do it at home. We believe that he's with us now. He's with us there. But we find it so hard to pray with our spouse, pray with our friends. What if in your marriage, you didn't wait for an established prayer time and you just did it? My, my friend, John Sokolowski, if you've been around the church for a long time, you may know John. He was here many years ago. Um, and, uh, and it was such a, such an encouragement. And I remember I'm a, a young husband at this point, this is, uh, over a decade ago. And he's, he, one of the things that he, he challenged me with in his own life was he talked about how it was hard. Uh, he found it very hard to pray with his wife, pray with his family. And he, he was a diligent guy. He studied God's word. He loved God. He prayed. And, and he just told me, he said, I stopped planning prayer times and I just started praying like in the middle of conversations, I would just start praying. In the middle of a conversation with my wife, when, when he said when we were discussing how to do something with one of our kids, and instead of just going on and on and kind of doing the circle of the conversation, he said, I would just cry out in the middle of the conversation, Father, help us. Lord, we need your help. Would you, would you, would you tell us how to lead our kid in this area? Give us wisdom. And guess what? We can do that. Like, that's not hard. No one, your friend is not gonna think it's weird when you start praying in the middle of the, their conversation. 
They're just gonna join you. Don't think it's weird. If that's you that maybe thinks it's weird, it's not. The Lord is there, he's with you. So we can pray. And then lastly, we don't ask because we don't see Jesus as our biggest daily need. After the children of Israel had had woken up to manna on the ground for 40 years, bread on the ground, 40 years. And listen to what Moses told them right before they entered the promised land. This was kind of Moses' last speech to the nation. He says this in Deuteronomy chapter eight. He, the Lord, humbled you by letting you go hungry. Then he gave you manna to eat, which you and your ancestors had not known so that you might learn that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out and your feet did not swell these 40 years. The Lord had provided bread for Israel six days a week, gave him an extra amount for Sabbath every single day for 40 years. Why? He did it so that they would see that they need God more than they need bread. We are so easily convinced that our biggest need is something else, something out there, anything else. Like we, we want, we yearn for security, for stability. And instead of agreeing with Psalm 23, which says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I need. We are tempted instead to say, sure, God is my refuge, he is my portion, but what I really need most is to lock down my needs. I need to load up on bread. I need just a little more money, a little more security. And Israel missed this. They thought that's what they needed. But what they needed was the Lord. They needed to walk in his way. They needed to fellowship with him. They needed to trust his word that he was gonna provide. One of the chief functions of prayer is to see Christ as the source of your life. There is no life apart from his provision. There is no hope, no comfort apart from trusting that he's gonna come through. That's why we go to him every day. Again, Pastor John Stark, he said this. He said, you can't go to Jesus for forgiveness and to the world for comfort. And a lot of us, we, we, we wanna go to Jesus because we want our sin dealt with. We want our sins forgiven and we want that eternal life that he, that he offers. But in the here and now, we don't see Jesus as the hope for this moment. So we don't pray. We don't ask him for help. We just go out and try to make it happen. But remember, when the Lord Jesus began his ministry, you remember how, how that rolled out? He had been baptized. What did he do? He went out into the wilderness. It's the first act of his ministry. He goes out into the wilderness. And just like the nation of Israel, he goes out there for 40 days. They were there for 40 years. He was there for 40 days. And he has no food. There's no manna on the ground for him. And Satan comes along to tempt him and says, Here's some stones. Turn these stones into bread. Just do it. You know the Father wants to satisfy you. He wants you to be fed. Just eat. You have the power to do that. How did Jesus answer him? Unlike Israel, he didn't grumble. He didn't say, man, it was so much better back in heaven. He didn't doubt the goodness of the Father. No, he said, there's something better 
than food. And he looked Satan in the eye and quoted Deuteronomy 8. He said, man must not live on bread alone. And this is our hope. Why does Jesus tell us to ask each day for even the most basic necessities? It's not just because we need food every day. It's not just because we need money. No, the Father is teaching us every day. He's training us that what we really need is whatever he gives. We need whatever comes from him because what we need most of all is him. We need to believe that his promises will satisfy his children, that every good gift comes from him. And so therefore, whatever he gives me, that's what I want. I want what is good. I want to come to him. So I bring my needs to him. What I really need is Jesus. And listen to what Jesus himself said in John 6. Starting in verse 48, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. That's who he is. He goes on and he's telling this this, uh, Jewish audience. He says, your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that anyone may eat of it and not die. He's talking about himself. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And just a few verses later, when many had started to desert him and to walk away because they're like, man, this is getting weird. He's talking about eating his flesh and he's talking about drinking blood. He says to the 12 apostles in verse 67, you don't want to go away too, do you? And Simon Peter answers him, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. What else do we need? We need the words of God. And when we believe that Jesus is our bread, is the bread of life, we're gonna come back to him day after day. We're gonna ask him for everything we need. And then we're gonna grow to trust him. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we are such a needy people. And we are so, we are so prone to think that the answers to our needs are everywhere but you. So Lord, in your mercy, would you lead us to turn from those things, to turn from other trusts and to place our trust squarely on the one who says, I'm the bread of life. Would you point us to Jesus? And then Lord, as we see our our hope in you, would you give us diligence and steadiness and trust to ask you for every need that we have? Would we come again and again? And would you show us how great you are? You are enough for us. We trust you. And we pray all this in the amazing name of Jesus. Amen.